You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Michon, I'm Not Your Black, from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family. You're welcome back. This is Uncle Michon from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I actually wrote a book. No, no college degree. And the title of my book, I'm Not Your Black America. And a lot of people have been coming to me, sure, me, sure. What that book is all about? I said, read my book. I didn't write it for me to tell you all about it. I wrote it so you can read it. (laughs) So I just want to go ahead and let that be known. I am excited about this opportunity to be here with my longtime friend. I peeped him when he was in the operating room when he first came into the. We're both surgical technologists, okay? I am from the descendants of American slave, Negro, Black, and African-American persuasion. And Sean is from the American, European. And what I liked about this brother, we were working together because I was training him to get him prepared to come working at the university hospital. I really appreciate Sean Burton being the person that he was and the person that he represented. And then I had my own show, okay, that was called The Focus Show. I was doing this show. Of course, the show had a lot of the brothers, okay, that was coming on with all their flavor. And I had Sean. I said, Sean, hey, man, I want you to listen to my show. And everything. So he listened to the show a few times. But prior to Sean, I actually had many of my other European male friends listening to my show. And I used to come back and say, hey, man, when y'all going to get on the show? They used to say, nah, dude, man, I'm not coming to your show, man. It's too much black testosterone on there, man. Those guys, man, they I don't want to come on the show and be mistreated. And so I'm like, oh, man, what's up? So I talked to Sean about it, and he like, I'm in, dude. I'm coming. He was the example of what I had been looking for, the opportunity where I believe we need to not be uncomfortable talking to one another and having that dialogue. What's up, Sean? Welcome to the conversation dot family. Welcome to the family, brother. How you doing, dude? What's going on, Sean? Thanks for having me on. I've been wanting to get back into broadcasting and doing some podcasting and stuff uh, because I got some, now I told you, this is going to be unfiltered, so you might have to bleep some of my language out today, but... Nah, bro, this is a grown-ass man show, all right? This is a <laughs> grown-ass man. <laughs> okay. And that don't take nothing away. Man. So, first of all, for anyone who doesn't know, tell people who you are and where you come from, man. I'm Sean. I go by Sean Burton as a... Uh, I pay homage to my dad, Burton Saunders. I was born on his birthday. He's a musician as well. I've been playing drums well over 35 years. I've been touring bands. I've been in studio. I've composed music. I've done tons of things since about 2005. I've been producing film and television and different podcasts. Also, like talk shows as well. I did a thing for a long time called Ville TV Live, and we just focused strictly on local entertainment, music videos, Events going on around town, whatever like was going on in the area, I was going to be there in some some form of a film crew and talking about how great everything is. Recently, I've been doing a show called Cooking Kentucky. I wasn't born in Kentucky, all right? I was born in Washington. He was in the Secret Service. We, I lived in Michigan, young part of my life, New York. And then I was in Ashland, Kentucky 
from like middle school all the way up until I graduated and I joined the military out of there. You joined the military? Wait, yeah, back in 1996 is when I, 13 May 96 is when I left for Fort, what was it? Fort Knox, Kentucky for my OSET training. One station unit training. I was there for 16 weeks. It was hell. But you know what? That's why I wear them every day to remember the legacy and my brothers and sisters who did not come home. But yeah, appreciate it. You see me you got my hat on, right? I that's what I'm saying. Wear it everywhere so, I go. Let's face it, yeah. they're kids that are still in the right. army or still in the military in general. It's just a way to let them know, hey, little brothers and sisters, man, I love you guys. Thank you for what you do. So it's me thanking them because I left. I should have stayed. So how did you become a surgical tech? I'm going to move this on. How did you, how did you come <laughs> about being a surgical technologist, man? I went on the GI Bill. I went to Brown Mackey College. I know I wanted to do something in the medical field. I've been in the medical field since I was like 15 when I first became a lifeguard. They right, said, well, right. have, have you ever heard of surgical technologist? I went, what is that? You're in the operating room and you do this, you do that. Still had no understanding of it, but thought to myself, you know what? Cool. I'll do it. So I went through the two-year program. And when I got to my externship, I'll never forget this. At a great hospital locally here in Louisville. My very first surgery. I'm in there, and it's an open belly case, and the doctor grabs my hand and puts it in the belly and says, here, hold this. And I remember the first thought in my mind was, okay, it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> because I honestly thought once I got into the operating room, Sean, that I was going to freak out. I can handle blood and guts. I've been doing EMS for so long. But I was like, now we're talking about like internal organs. I don't right. know if I can handle that. But after... The first one is done. I, I felt nothing about it. I just knew that what I was doing, the adrenaline takes over. And I think you understand what I mean when I say that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It might be gross, but you know that what you're doing at that particular moment is going to help that person on that table later. Yes. And that's very rewarding. I'm a traveling surgical technologist now. Thanks to the mentorship, Michelle <laughs> and many other people. I'd like to give a shout out to Neil Pablo. He was a major mentor. Oh, yeah. Do my externship. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed with great mentors and I've been blessed with some great doctors and nurses who have taught me a lot. I think my time at University of Lowell Hospital really. So, how long, how long have you been a surgical dick now? 14 years. Wow. Has it been 14 years since you 14, came through? Yep. 14, 14 years, man. That shows how far we've been. That shows how long we've been knowing one another, too, man. It's been 14 years since you came through the university hospital. I got trained in the military. My reason for becoming a surgical technologist is because in the military, I went in as a cook, as an infantry cook, and I had been, I had done that for three years, and it was time for me to re-enlist, and my godfather from Miami told me, find something in the military that you can do. So I came back to my recruiter to talk about re-enlisting and learn that my ASVAB score that I originally took to come into the military, dude, I actually failed it, bro. It was under 50. The recruiter, the educational person said, sir, I don't even know how you became a cert, how you became a cook because you didn't pass the ASVAB. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Like, so they were just like, screw not, it, just put him in there as a cook. Well, what happened? No, how did I get in the military? Because I discovered that 
I failed the ASVAB test. Come to find out that my mother convinced the recruiter to allow me in because I had did not graduate from school and decided that I needed to be put in. And she said, do not put my baby in combat arms unit. And, and basically he said, I'm going to make him a cook. But if he fails being a cook, he's going straight to infantry. But I want to jump to the part the first time that I was in the operating room, the very first time I was in the operating room, the first surgery that I saw, Sean, you're going to, don't, you're going to laugh. Remember what I said was motivating me. I taught, for all of you, for all of you that don't understand, when I, I say a total vaginal hysterectomy, total. <laughs> I knew where you were going. Like, I knew exactly where you were going. The I mean, first like, surgery. Right now, <laughs> see, like, I tell people now, it's like, listen, I'm the GYN king, which used to mean something completely different when I was much younger. <laughs> <laughs> And I do know what you mean. And I'm surprised. You GYN, where I'm neurovascular king. I'm the knee. I get you are the GYN king. Oh my God. It I ain't know my choice, my friend. A, a male tech that is a GYN king. <laughs> yeah. Like you really want to come into the operating room and looking at me going, huh, I'm ready to be completely spread eagle in front of this guy. Yeah. I don't I, this ain't my choice, man, okay? This is because I go where I need it as a traveler, and that's it, so. Wow, so you do the robots and everything, huh? The only thing I cannot do is heart and transplant. It's not that I could not do it, it's just it's that, that I everywhere I go, it. everywhere I go, there's teams already dedicated for that. Those people who don't understand, I'm gonna let you tell people what is a surgical technologist. We are basically, now this is gonna piss off some of my surgical tech people, and I'll explain better, but basically we're the chimpanzees that hand the instruments to the doctor. You could teach a chimpanzee to do what we do, okay? Now, I know some people are pissed off right now at me about that, but listen to me, okay? It's very important. Basically, we're in charge of the entire surgical or the, uh, the sterility of the surgery. We set up the cases. We set up the OR tables. Once the patient is to sleep, we help with draping. We, we run all the the suction and the bovie cord, those who don't know bovie, it's an electrical, surgical, cardio, or It's basically a big knife that takes electricity and cuts and coagulates stuff. <laughs> there. During the whole surgery, we're basically handing the instruments to the doctor, make sure they have all the equipment, all the medicines, locals. During the whole surgery, we're basically handing the instruments to the doctor, make sure they have all the equipment, all the medicines, locals. That's what we do. And like I said, it's not a difficult job. It's a rewarding job. We are known as the surgical technologists, okay, in the operating room. We're the fourth, actually the fourth professional person in the room, okay? And we have, and we are the only one in the room that has no, no, as I would say, no legal liability, okay, as yeah. everybody <laughs> else in the room. Would you agree with that, Sean? One hundred percent. That's why, like, when we count, and that's why I love it. Okay, we we're not the nurse, we're not the nope. anesthesiologist, we're not the doctor that's doing the surgery. We are the surgical technologists, and the interesting thing is, none of them can do their job without us doing our job. If we don't have our act together, we play a very important role. I passed out 
the very first time I walked in the top reading room and I saw that total vaginal hysterectomy. I passed out because <laughs> you laugh. A lot of people don't understand. I didn't know what that meant. And then when I woke up, I saw all these white people laughing at me because I had never been in the operating room where it was everybody in the room was white. Everybody in the room was white. And <laughs> so I was overwhelmed from a, from a kid to come from the environment that I come from Miami, working in the cook as a cook, where that's mostly all brothers or everybody brothers, everybody look like me. Explain to people why people pass out when they come into the operating room. A lot of things can trigger a pass out, one of which could be a smell. Believe it or not, blood is very high smelling and iron. So sometimes right. that will actually trigger somebody's sense. Your, your sense is going to overload. You're visually seeing a live person completely opened or completely spread eagle with all kinds of instruments in places that don't need to be. Right. So that can be overwhelming. Uh, most of the ORs are very cold, but uh, sometimes you can get that hot flash real quick and you're like, I don't know about this. Maybe you didn't eat. Our mind is like a computer, okay? And the first time we see something or have not had an experience, it has to process it. The blood start rushing up from your, start rushing up and it warms. You feel the warm sensation coming up and everything. Yeah. And his blood is overflowing the brain, okay? And what happens is that our mind is not able to compute or understand what it is we're seeing. One of the biggest thing I've told you, and you handled it, is that do not allow these doctors to intimidate you. You're nobody's walk-on. They don't get to bully you, mistreat you, talk to you crazy and everything just because they're doctors and nurses. They still must treat you with the dignity and the respect as you are deserving to be treated. You walk in your privileged position very good. And when I say privilege, you're privileged because of the color of your skin, brother. You, you can walk into places and you can walk in an environment where I can't walk in that environment and just walk in it that way. But I, what I picked up about, you don't abuse it. Is that fair enough, Sean? I don't believe in white privilege. Never have, never will. Again, this is just something we probably don't see eye to eye on, and that's fine. Now, there's a different position in my life that, I, true story, I was working in a hospital and this guy was a cardiac surgeon. I'm not going to say his name. But he was so degrading to me in the OR that I slammed a tool down on the back table. And I looked at him, put my foot and said, you speak to that way. You speak that way to me one more time. And I'm going to take your old ass out in that parking lot and whip the shit out of you. I said, you don't think I'll do it? I said, try me. I'm not that guy. See what I did there, Michonne? I'm not that guy. Try me. But that's only happened once in my career. I, that's not like a regular. I don't threaten to beat up doctors all the time. Most of the time, I'm just like... That's all you got? Go away. <laughs> okay. Sure thing. But I think that's where walking into that position, it's more of where I just, I'm confident in what I can do, but I also know my downfalls. I know what I'm not capable of. I had a similar situation. You know the name Dr. Nazar? I do. Dr. Before you came, before you even came on board and everything, I was working. Dr. Nazar was a terrorist over at the hospital when he first arrived here. 
I use the word terror. He used to terrorize people and everything. And Dr. Nazar and I had that similar situation that you just said. People, they were not giving me lunch. They were not giving me breaks and everything. And I was like, but prior, well, they didn't know prior to me getting there, I had already been through so much bullcrap that I didn't want to become the racist guy complaining. Dr. Nazar tried to speak to me and talk to me in a manner as you just spoke that you're one of your dogs. And I did the similar thing. We was behind a microscope, brother. Microscope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In the brain, okay. And he said something crazy off the wall to me, dude. I came from behind that microscope. Put my hands on the mayo. I didn't want nobody else to hear this but me and him. And I said, Dr. Nazar, look at me. I said, let me tell you something, Dr. Nazar. If you speak to me like that one more time, I will whip your ass. <laughs> I said, I will whip your ass. We would go to pot. I will whip your ass. I am not that guy, bro. <laughs> And, I, and all I did, I looked, it was just me and him. I did anesthesia didn't hear it. The nurse didn't hear it. I said it to him and I looked him in his face. He looked at me. Because there was no going back to the microscope until I got an acknowledgement. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, I apologize. I said, okay. Let's move forward. And that's, that, yeah, and that's all that should ever be. And that's yeah, and I like, thought, yeah. and I never done that with no one else. Okay, it was just that yeah. one time. Similar to you, I didn't realize until just hearing you said that you, even though we come from different walks, I was basing you being able to walk into that environment as your as the color of your skin as being your, but you had already had to be proved. But Sean, I have to admit, my brother. You, your previous walk has caused you to be the person that you are because the fact of the matter is your military training made you realize that you needed respect regardless of what they might have thought about. Isn't that interesting? We had the same experience and everything from different perspectives. Ain't that deep? You've been listening to the podcast, The New Author. Uncle Michon, I'm Nacho Black from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family.